Hello and welcome to Local Enterprise Office Clare Making It Happen podcast. My name is Porik McElwee, Head of Enterprise. This podcast series is about our local businesses and how they make it happen every day. This series is produced and presented by Ger Sweeney, who will now introduce one of our local entrepreneurs. Thanks, Porik. And in this episode, episode five, I visit a Toongrainy based company called Wild Irish Chocolates. The company was started by Patricia Farrell, and Patricia commences the conversation by telling me about her business. We have a small artisan chocolate manufacturing business based in East Clare in Toongrainy on the shores of Loch Derg. And we started about 22 years ago. We've been focused on making handmade chocolates and selling them both in our own outlets and to um, selected retail outlets. But we also have uh, visitors coming to see the chocolate making and uh, tell us about their chocolate fantasies and we try and fulfil what they're interested in. It's called Wild Irish Chocolates? Yeah, it's called Wild Irish Chocolates. With an E at the end of wild. Yeah, wild with an E. When the Wild Atlantic Way was established there a few years ago, everybody went and wasn't it fantastic? Your name is the same as Wild Atlantic Way. And we're going, no, actually, no, it's based on, it's inspired by Oscar Wilde. And one of his uh, very famous quotes was, I can resist anything but temptation. Lovely. And this was the inspiration for us that we always felt that we wanted to produce uh, chocolates that were irresistible, as in it, you couldn't resist it. It was just so tempting. So that is kind of how we've chosen that, you know, because we didn't want to have a name that people go, like, my name is Farrell. Like, you can't call something Farrell's chocolates. It's just not romantic <laughs> enough. Well, you never know. Well, in those days, that wasn't the okay. that wasn't the way to go. And so we said we need something that's very Irish, but very easy to pronounce okay. and yet yeah, understandable. A sexist question for you, but I have to ask it. Do more women like chocolate than men? Um, yes, probably. Okay. Probably more women, but not as few men as you'd think. Right. We have some very dedicated um, male consumers of our right. chocolates and they're very particular about what they like to eat as well. Right. They do have a sweet tooth and they're quite particular. They want that thing there. They don't want that one over there. Right. So, so we do have a lot of men. And also when they come to visit us in the chocolate factory, they never refuse taste. So I, I think they're equally as interested in tasting chocolate as, as the women. So in that, in that instance, yes. Right. Those listening will know that we're actually, or will assume that we're in the production area because it's all just one area where things are produced and sold and the office administration, the whole lot is done from the one. So you'll hear noise throughout this particular chat. So tell me what you have here. We're in three units in a very small rural part of Ireland in a very small little industrial estate not very exciting sounding but actually it's tiny and so we were in three buildings units six seven and eight and we just expanded into unit seven and eight in the last six months in this 1000 square foot building that we started off with we had our production our packaging our dishwashing our visitor facility and it was all very squashed and we'd been dying to expand for several years and we got the opportunity so in our expanded space we have one of the buildings is totally dedicated now to production the other of our units is now a new visitor facility where we'll have our shop we're going to have a hot chocolate and coffee dock where people can come and have a sit down we didn't have that before come and visit the chocolate factory see what we're doing uh, if, if you want, buy some chocolate, we hope. What kind of machines have you got here? What do you need to make chocolate? 
technically, you actually don't need any machines to make chocolate. You know, mm-hmm. as a fact, like when we started off, we used to live over in North Clare, myself and my husband, and we started off in the kitchen of this old farmhouse that we used to live in. Right. And literally on the counter of this old farmhouse, you were getting out bowls and spatulas and melting chocolate and putting it into the fridge. Just when we started learning, how, mm. how do you make chocolate? How do you actually get to produce what you want to produce? Anyone could start making chocolate if they really want to. But then, you know, you'd have to move on a little bit. And we have um, a range of machines called wheel machines. I know they sound very technical, but they're not. They're basically a heating element with a tank of chocolate and uh, a wheel that goes around and around and around to keep the chocolate moving. Because if you don't keep chocolate moving, it gets all set on the outside of your tank and all soft and lovely in the middle, but you can't really make much chocolate. You can't make anything with solid chocolate. It has to be liquid. So we've machines that are dedicated to our milk chocolate grade, our 70% chocolate grade, or our 54% chocolate, or white, or any other thing that we're making at the time. So we've about five or six different machines. And that's all they do. They're not production machinery. They're only assistance yeah, to they facilitate. Yeah, okay. And the range of chocolate that you do, it's obviously not as simple as just pouring chocolate, melting chocolate and pouring. Have you got specific ranges that you sell to people or that you make yourself? Do you create these yourselves? We have about 50 different types of bars of chocolate. We right. probably have the widest range of chocolate bars in Ireland, I would say. And we've actually just added another 30 different varieties to the range because we kind of like coming up with new ideas <laughs> because we want to eat them. Go Maybe others will want to eat them as well. So <laughs> we get a bit mad. And also for our new expanded shop, we said, well, we should do some new newer products uh, that, you know, we've more space now so we can be more inventive. What we do is we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to make things efficiently using the best quality ingredients and how to combine, you know, various flavors or like nuts or bits of you know dried fruits or something like Mm. that to create flavors or or experiences chocolate eating experiences because like you can start off with milk chocolate that's lovely on its own like there's nothing wrong with plain milk chocolate but every now and then you kind of want oh maybe i'd fancy something slightly different Mm. and so we're just starting you know people have been asking us for years why don't you do honeycomb a honeycomb milk chocolate and we resisted that for ages because it would mean we'd have to keep making more honeycomb because we make our own honeycomb here right and that's it's it's quite involved a process. So we've just decided that, you know what, we just better do it. And we've forgotten how gorgeous it tastes ourselves. And so now we're really excited. God, that's going to fly out the door. So, we're, you know, that's the kind of way we come up with ideas. And so we just keep on trying to expand the range and take things out of it that gets slow. Sometimes we used to make a peanut pistachio and cranberry bar. And it went like the clappers for ages. And then for whatever reason, it just stopped selling. And we said, oh, that's very disappointing. So we've kind of retired it for a while. Right. So stuff gets retired and it's great because you get a chance to have new things. You go, oh, gosh, maybe we'll come up with something new and we all get all excited about it. And if you've got regular customers, which I'm sure you have, and that they would like a particular bar of chocolate, when they come in, do you say, look, that's lovely, but taste this. We've just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, we do because we actually love it when people, part of the joy of of actually having visitor facility in the factory is that we use them to test new ideas. You know, we we might love an idea, but maybe we're just weird and we, you know, we're we're weird. We have to see, is, is this something that others would like? So we use people's suggestions a lot 
people suggest things to us we also use them to give an idea is this nice do you like this would you buy that you know yeah. would you buy it is a very important thing would you buy this because there's no point in everything going I love it but I'm not going to buy it okay. I've hardly ever had anybody say no I don't like what you're doing mostly they love to be involved in the tasting process right. if it's anything new because like yesterday we had um, we had a new ruby chocolate with uh, rose petals in a dark chocolate bar and we said we'll 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 get a few guinea pigs when they visit, and we said, "Would you like to try this new thing?" And nobody says no. no. They all say, "Yeah, I, I want to be a guinea pig." And universally, everybody loved it. And we thought, "Oh God, that's good." We loved it, but you know, if we love it, doesn't mean anyone else is going to love it. But they did, so we were very happy with that. What's the percentage breakdown between people who like dark chocolate and milk chocolate? Well, historically, it used to be sixty percent would like milk, twenty-ish oh, would right. like dark, and twenty would like white. Right. That. You know, that was it for a long time. But with the rise of people's sensitivities now to the value of dark chocolate and the the sort of the worries they have about sugar and, you know, things like that, people have been creeping more and more up the the cocoa solids range. And now I would say it's probably around about 50 percent like milk and maybe 30 to 35 percent like darks of any sort and maybe 10 15% 15% like white. It varies, you know, like loads of kids love white, but some adults like white. I'm always surprised when people like white chocolate because it's. I think it's exceptionally sweet. But, you know, so everybody's sweet tooth is different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's been changing now. It's been getting way darker all the time. How many people are working here? Well, prior to coronavirus, <laughs> right. we had somewhere between six and seven full-time workers here. But at the moment, we only have two and a half people. You're in business for over 20 years. You said you started in the kitchen in North Clare. But when did you get involved or when did your relationship with the local enterprise office in Clare start? I would say around about maybe 10 or 15 years ago, we started looking at their programmes. And I have to say... We never actually tried to get any uh, financial support because we kind of set our business up at that stage. Yeah. But what we did find was that all the training supports were fantastic and that it was very inexpensive. It was, you know, the value for money for the training supports yes. that were out there to help you be a better business or train up staff or do things that you wouldn't, you, you'd want to do, but you'd be saying, oh, that's really expensive. But with the support that you know that you could get from the local enterprise office so that would have been a lot of what we have done with them over the last 10 years is like we did a lean the lean business uh, program with them and that was the best thing we ever did because it really revolutionized how we think about how we're going to spend money on improvements to the business because you're always going oh i'd love a new machine or i'd i really think we should look at that electricity bill it's very high and we used to just do it off the top of our heads going i think a program like that that leo push a lot because they know the value of it actually makes you analyze well if you do this is it going to save you money or if you spend x amount is it going to save you y amount so something like that is something that you never even think to do until somebody helps you go, look, you should think a bit more about how you spend your money to improve your business because what's the point in spending money if it doesn't improve your business or grow the business? So the training has been fantastic. I really think that's the best thing that they're doing at the moment. Talk to me about your online business. Yeah, actually, I forgot to say that the other area of support that we availed of, you see, you forget what you've done. You forget, if you did it a while ago, you forget. So uh, our online business, uh, we initially got a support to revamp our website I'd say about five years ago the trading online voucher 
scheme from the local enterprise office, which is again another fantastic initiative because, you know, we had a website before that, but it was a very it was a bit useless. It was to be basic. Honest. It was a bit basic yeah. and a bit useless, a bit of a kind of a brochure website more so than anything else, and it was ineffective. And um, when they launched the TOVS scheme, I just said, right, we're on here, lads. We better we better make use of that because at that stage they were pointing out to the small businesses that very few of us were actually online looking for online business. So we said, right, we're going to grab that opportunity while we may. So we did do a major revamp of the website and it was great to have the presence and it's been growing steadily. Now, I mean, it is a bit hard to uh, promote your website all the time. I I do a lot of social media myself (laughs) to try and make people aware of us as a brand and it's good that you can say well you know go to the website go to the website go to the website so you need the presence regardless of any don't care what what you want to do and the the trading online voucher scheme is like the easiest simplest way to get yourself an online presence like i think because of globe the global pandemic people are waking up to the value of Mm -hmm. online sales and i mean our online sales i would say we did probably a year's turnover in a month 2019 turnover in sort of April. Now, it did happen to coincide with Easter. Yeah. So we do, like, that would be the second most important time of the year for any chocolate making company is Easter and Christmas. I was going to say the second, so Christmas would be before Easter. Yeah, because Easter is very short and it's only one product that generally people are wanting to buy. So it's Easter eggs, Easter eggs, Easter eggs, Easter eggs. Whereas Christmas, they'll buy millions of things they buy all sorts of different things and they've a load of different people to give it to so it's a longer run in so yeah. christmas i know everybody gives that about christmas starting on the first of october but it makes people think a bit sooner whereas easter people think about it the after week before, st patrick's day and then you're going well would you please buy these thousand easter eggs that i have made in the hope that you'll all buy them so you're praying so covid19 that really gave us a kick in the teeth here because we had a million easter things sitting here and we were going uh, how are we going to sell these how are we going to sell them online just came on exactly and so that's so that was part of the yeah. so what we would have potentially sold in our shop here in the factory ended up getting sold online but still if we weren't online and we weren't there without the assistance of the local enterprise office we wouldn't have been able to take advantage of that and it has been ticking away i mean it's settled down a good bit now since the workplace has started reopening there mm. but it's still tipping away did you pick up new customers from new locations yeah, uh, over, the, over that period? We did, yeah. we did. So I've been asking myself, well, what, what's going on here? Because I can't quite understand. Places would ring and say, um, you're Irish, you're handmade, you're this, you're that. And, you're that. and I say, yeah, oh, great, we need some of that. And you're going, right. oh, what, you know, you never called me before. And or they'd say, well, we're being asked. Irish people are really looking when they go shopping to support local, yeah. national Irish companies, small companies, artisan producers, you know, the work that people are doing on social media, especially like since the global pandemic, everybody who's anybody has been saying, listen, lads, we've got to support our own, support your own, support your own, buy Irish, buy Irish, buy local, shop local, you know, all those Mm. things that you hear, hashtag shop local, hashtag buy Irish, hashtag, you know, know, we're all in this together. So that I think is making people wake up to the fact that, well, we've got to keep our spending in the country. I think people are being extremely conscious of how important their spend is. You mentioned that COVID-19 has taken four full-time employees from you. Two-part question for you. Firstly, do you see a situation where those people might be back here with you? And as well as that, how has COVID-19 and the lockdown changed the plan that you would have had let's say on the first week of january for 2020 and maybe 21 we've been pursuing a strategy here of selling direct to the consumer we've a little 
shop in the milk market in Limerick. We've uh, an outlet shop in, in Doolin in North Clare and we, a couple of years ago, opened a shop in Dingle because we felt that it was, it was easier to yeah. connect directly with the public. So on the 1st of January, that our plan was to keep on doing that. Another part of our plan was to move into our new buildings and expand and have our and you've done hot that. chocolate offering. So we're still doing that. We're not mm. not doing that because the tourists and visitors are here and they want to they want to see what you're doing here in the chocolate factory. Um, so the changes that we can see is that if you're highly dependent on foreign tourism, and we are, you know, I know we are a chocolate making business, but a lot of what we would sell goes into tourist-related outlets. You know, most of the tourism in Ireland that generates income is probably from foreign tourists. I think about 80 or 70 or 80% of tourist spend is from foreign tourists. So so that is a massive, massive, massive kick in the teeth. Again, to use of that course. phrase, kick in the teeth. Mm-hmm. 2020 is a complete write-off in terms of, like we're looking at about an 80% reduction in turnover which is, has serious knock-ons because you can't pay yes, yourself. Yes, yes, So for 2021, I'd be very worried about tourism again. Okay. It's very hard to plan for mm. an unknown. There's literally no way of planning. So the first part of the question that I asked you in relation to staff, the answer to that really is, from what you've said, you don't know. I don't. A question that I've been asking people as I meet them and chat with them is in relation to maybe one element of the supports and the programmes that the local enterprise office offers. You've kind of answered that by saying training was probably the best. Then you said, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about the online. Mm -hmm. So of the two, which would be the better? The training. Training. Yeah, definitely. Because as a small business, all the the guidance that you get is just train your staff, upskill them. It's better for them. They have a better investment in your business. They they have a, they enjoy working. They have a more. new skill. They have a new skill. You get a better experience for everybody. Upskilling is an expensive business, so to get the support from the local enterprise office in areas that you would love to to do is is invaluable. Talk to me about communication between you and the enterprise office in Clare. Is there good communication? Is there constant communication? Yeah, I I, I must say. In the last maybe five or seven or you know years, they have been excessively good at communicating you every program that they're running, every opportunity that might come. Like literally, they'll send you an email. I got an email yesterday to say, "Look, there's a great opportunity to try and put your our Claire businesses in front of American spenders." Lovely. You know, reply straight away, and you know, you go, oh, "Yeah, I'm on." <laughs> oh, you did reply straight. Yes, yes, you know. So stuff like that, yeah. you know, they have been extremely proactive in every program. They, you know, they have the support for women, uh, women entrepreneurs in Clare as well. They're big on supporters of, of those groupings. I would say that the communication from them to us is exceptional. I think they're they really go pull out all the stops to make sure we know what's going on. What can we avail of? Is this of any interest to you whatsoever? You might find mm. this interesting. Like, and they support it as well. Like the, I found this really amazing that when we had the golf, the Irish Open in La Hinch, I mean, they had the opportunity to showcase artisan craft and small businesses in Clare at that. And they, they, like, they literally paid for the marquee, brought mm. us there. And you know, we were able to sell our product directly to any of the people that were at the thing. I mean, something like that, it seems quite small, but it's really helpful and it's great to be able to, at that level, at any level, to be able to go, look, here's what we can do for you. So I have to say the local enterprise office has been, you know, very good at communicating things that you could get involved with to help you grow the business. 
I know this is a question that the enterprise office asks their clients regularly, more than likely ask yourselves. But for listeners who don't know how ye operate together, a question in relation to the programs, the service, the, the supports that they offer. Is there anything that you can think of that they don't offer that you'd like them to? Or is there something that you think they should offer that they don't? Um, the real answer Mm-hmm. is I think they should look at their financial supports to companies. They have this clawback situation where they're, if you apply for a grant to do something, okay. there's theoretically 50-50, you put up 50% and they'll put part of that is clawed back okay. over a period of three or four years, a percentage of it. And that, in my opinion, puts people, puts me off because I go, hmm, you know, so that's probably okay. the thing that I find that it's not that it's not there. It's that it's, I think they shouldn't have it that way. It just makes you want to go, <laughs> right? you know, okay. hard enough as it is. All right. For somebody listening to this who might be considering a new venture or they might consider a business expansion, they might be thinking about training staff, upgrading their own skills. And they haven't been working with the enterprise office. Would you have any advice for them? Well, yeah, I just get on to them straight away and say, here's my idea. Tell me the things I don't know that I don't even know I don't know, you know, that kind of thing. Because when you're starting, a lot of times when people would start a business or would think of starting a business, they don't realize the questions to ask. All they know is, I really want to do this. The next question is, how do I do it? They have a lot of experienced people there that have worked with people like us who, and we've fallen over a few hurdles ourselves mm-hmm. as time goes by and they, they'll know. They have a feasibility study uh, program as well, which is really fantastic because you can actually get down to the nuts and bolts of what is the potential for my new business yeah. and to be supported financially in exploring what it would take and is there a market for your product? Because it's all very well to say, I really want to make nuts and bolts but does anybody want to buy nuts and bolts like you know a simple connection like that needs to be asked but sometimes you might need to go away and do a a bit of research you need to do some market research you need to knock on doors you need to get product prototypes ready so they have that feasibility study program there and the in-house people who actually will help you to go to the right places to answer those questions. I'm sitting here with you today having a chat because of your involvement with the local enterprise office in Clare. When I spoke to you yesterday to confirm or reconfirm the time for us to sit down and have this conversation, there was a camera crew here from somewhere. You told me just as before we started the recording that you had been on live Irish television when there was a, um, a feature being done on this particular area not so long ago. How do you get such profile? What, what are you linked into? I have to admit, I try and do as much social media as I possibly can to try and promote our brand and make sure people know you exist because it's all very well to say, yeah, hello, we have a fabulous product and we have a great business if no one knows you exist. So that's something I do. Another thing that uh, has been very helpful is we're a client to fall to Ireland now as well and they're promoting the Ireland's Hidden Heartlands uh, destination brand Lovely. in the same way that they launched the Wild Atlantic Way. They're now doing... They're looking at the centre part of Ireland, you know, up along the Shannon, down as far as Limerick, and they're going. We needed to create a destination brand for an area that is under appreciated, let's say, for the want of a better word. That has been very helpful. It's the same with the Leos. If they can do any promotion area and you, they want 
they're looking for, do you want to get involved in this? I always say, yes, absolutely, get Absolutely. You mentioned that by mid-August, your shop will be up and running and people can come and visit. And I know that you already have people booked in on a con- continuous basis and take a look at how you make the chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I presume that's all done online or by telephone. So will you give us your contact details? Yeah, so you can ring us at 0619220080. We're here Monday to Friday. Or you can send us an email, wild with an E, wildirishchocks at gmail.com and we will answer that as well and also you can contact us on our Facebook Twitter or Instagram and it's all at Wild Irish Chocolates or Wild Irish Chocks and your website address is www.wildirishchocolates.com Patricia Farrell from Wild Irish Chocolates with an E thank you very much for talking to us today thank you Ger it's a pleasure continued success with the business thanks very much Patricia is just one of the many entrepreneurs that is making it happen on a daily basis, having availed of some of the supports available through the local enterprise office, Claire. If you have a business idea or maybe you're in business already and require some support, Porrick McElwee and his team would be more than happy to talk to you. Check out their website at www.localenterprise.ie forward slash Claire. There are seven more stories like Patricia's in this series and each one shines a light on a Claire-based business and explains how the local enterprise Enterprise Office has supported them through the years. Please take a listen. Thank you for listening to this episode. And until next time, from me, Jer Sweeney, and everybody at the local Enterprise Office, Claire, bye-bye.